Happy Friday and welcome to the Between the Dream podcast. I am your host, Richard Taylor Jr., reporting to you live from the Workforce HQ in Edmonds, Washington. I hope that you all have had a phenomenal week. Um, if not, it's okay. I am excited for today's conversation because I know that it will be the uplift that we need. Um, but before we jump into that, um, if you are new, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. I ask that you subscribe on whatever platform you might be listening on. And for my returning listeners, thank you so much for your continued support. It means the world to me, whether new or old, please continue to share the good word of the Between the Dream podcast as we continue to try and make an impact as we talk about life, mental health, just day-to-day stuff. Heck, Marvel Comics, it doesn't matter. We will talk about any and everything in the space. And today I am so excited. So as you all know, is Women's History Month, um, which I don't, you know, just kind of like Black History Month. I'm like, it shouldn't be just a month. It's every freaking day. But that being said, I have a phenomenal woman coming to bring the fire today. Um, I would go as far as calling her a good friend. And it's amazing too, because good friends, you can have conversations with people maybe every so often, but then when you do, you can talk to that person for hours and literally just be able to go. And no matter how much time goes by, you have these moments where when you do talk, it is literally like you pick up where you left off. And that is where this conversation is going to go today. I have my great friend, Felicia P. Roche, um, here. Um, with us today y'all like i'm gonna try and do my best on the intro here um but i'm gonna be honest like it's hard because she's a lot right so therapist counselor mental health expert i love this one too safe space expert which we are going to get into here in a little bit she's a mental health counselor the author of the best-selling memoir unravel breaking the cycle of family trauma Felicia, thank you so much. And wait, before I even bring you on, there's one other thing, y'all. She has found the fountain of youth and is aging in reverse. Every time I see her, I'm like, I need the sauce and the secrets. So without further ado, Felicia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I told you I was going to try to laugh too much, but your intro. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to be here talking to you. No, absolutely. This has been a long time coming. Um, you, I told you before we hopped on, I was saying how I need to be better about just making sure that I am actually interviewing people. Because this is one of the things that I really wanted to do more of last year in 2021. I'm like, in my mind, it is pointless to know a bunch of dope people, but don't actually take the time to like bring them into the space. So typically my podcast, like when I'm doing it by myself, might be like seven to 10 minutes, just stuff that we can take for our day, right? But I'm like, it's not just my perspective, right? I'm like, we have a host, a multitude of friends and individuals around us that I believe um, carry a perspective that is not our own, that could be uh, needed for the groups that we serve. So. Um, just thank you so much. I am so grateful for you. Literally, your story, which we're going to get into, your life, the work that you're doing now. And I think, too, just you as a person overall, like whether you know it or not, you are like such a bright light in the spaces that you're in, right? You could post a picture on Instagram, right? They say a picture says a thousand words. But literally, I think um, to know you is to love you. So as individuals get a chance to see a post from you or whatever it might be, um, you know, it really does bring life and give life to folks. So thank you so much for being here today. 
thank you. Um, hearing that is very encouraging. It has always been my prayer to be a light because light is literally the thing that I've been seeking throughout my life because yeah. there's so much darkness. So I really, you know, it's really encouraging to hear you say that. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Um, for those that don't know, if you can't tell by that amazing accent, she is Philadelphia born and raised on the playground is where she spent most of her day. Okay. <laughs> Listen, Can I love it though. It? Like, I'm like, I didn't say water. So I'm like, can you hear it if I'm not saying specific words? I never know. You know, I just think it's because I got enough Philly friends to where I know the accent, but no, I love the East Coast fam is in the building. Um, Felicia, you have done so much before we get into like the accolade aspect of it, right? Like whatever you feel good about sharing, please like just what led you up into the work that you're doing now? Like how how did we get to this space where you are, I mean... I would say a jack of all trades, but also a master of all of them too. Like if I'm being honest. And so, I mean, just your story, like who is Felicia? Yeah. Um, well, I'll start with the first part of your question with what kind of got me to where I am in this profession. And yeah. as, much, um, as much as you was hyping me up just now, I have to give you the same love because honestly, uh-huh. I do truly honestly believe if it weren't for you, I would not have taken that route or felt brave enough to take that route. So you sharing your story very early on and, and when we met many, many moons ago, many years ago, <laughs> um, and us having, <laughs> us having our, um, you know, whenever we did do a radio show together or whatever we did, I would always hear you, you know, speak so bravely and positively about your experience, right? With your, your mental health um, illness in the back, in, in your background and then um, your suicide attempts. And because I am a survivor um, of suicide attempts, I was just like, honestly had never heard anyone speak so again, just out loud about, mm-hmm. about that and the way that you did, right? And it encouraged me so much. And I was just like, and, it, and because it helped me so much, I was like, oh, I see if you use your voice, you can help people, right? Like this is what for me. So like I can do the same thing. And it took a lot. I mean, many, many years, a lot of therapy, a lot of encouragement um, from my village to say, it's okay. Like if you feel safe, it's okay to start sharing your story to see how you feel about it and see where it leads. Um, with that, that led me to, to write my book. But then it also, because I realized I would start being in front of people sharing my story, I wanted to educate myself more about what it is I was talking about. I never mm. honestly still struggle with this. Sometimes I, you know, during that time, I never felt quite qualified, if you will, yeah. to get in front of people and say, hey, this worked for me it may be able to help you, right? Like, so I still really am from the school of everything doesn't work for everybody. Um, I can just share what my story is and what helped me and hope people find nuggets in that. And, um, but overall, I do think it's a journey that involves family and community, right? Like, I don't think this is something that what I would have been able to do without a village. And that's one of the things I'm always kind of pushing and encouraging. And it's really what my work is about. It's about, you know, let's be unapologetic about what we need in order to go towards whatever our goals are and kind of figure out how to get to some some healing and some light. 
Definitely. And I think that's amazing. Um, just with the way that you put it together. And I, I appreciate that. Um, you, you said something that was actually really strong for me, which is, it's kind of my struggle. I talked about this on Monday's podcast with my buddy, Jason, who um, is a therapist um, and a life coach out of, uh, not Greensboro, he's out of the North Carolina area. So like Raleigh Durham area, but either way, he, uh, he and I were talking about this and I was saying like, you know, there are times where I deal with the imposter syndrome. So before we got started with the recording, I told you that, I, you know, I might mention this, but literally like you saying that it's helpful for me because as somebody who has been sharing their story, that was my focal point very early on when I started my career and my work was just to like share the story. Um, I didn't, it wasn't until like 2000 and maybe 14 or 15. So this is around the time that we met um, where um, I actually started dealing with like a heavy amount of imposter syndrome because of the fact that I was sharing my story, but I, I didn't, I won't say that I was receiving backlash because I didn't receive backlash, but there were spaces that I were in where opportunities were allowing me to share and to be the one giving advice and help to individuals that had the letters behind their name. And that being said, um, I really started to feel like, oh, I don't, I'm not good enough or I don't deserve, right? And so it, to a degree, it hindered me for a while, but people like you, like my buddy, Jason, like other professionals, um, my, my homegirl, Trish, who wrote the um, forward for my latest book, like all of these like professionals in the field saying like, no, like this is needed. And I love what you talked about. Like if for nothing else, I'm not trying to be everybody's expert. I'm just the expert of my own experience and in taking that. Right. And of course, too, like you said, we can educate ourselves in a multitude of ways when it comes to what we're sharing. Right. Which I, I think is so in, in, um, needed in the work that we do. So I just want to say thank you for that, because that's really helpful for me when it comes to like, even just constantly being reminded now, like, Bro, like, even if I did go get a piece of paper now, that's all it's going to be because I'm like, you've literally been on the ground for 10 plus years and made such an impact with people that that paper won't even say much of anything about, you, <laughs> you know, and so I just I, that I love you for that. And I just want to say thank you, because that is I, if, look and you know me, um, I love it. You definitely encourage spaces that are, are safe. And I know this is a safe space for us to kind of have this talk as professionals, as individuals in this realm to say like, yeah, like even with all of the great accolades and the things that we do, this is a real feeling that we still carry within our own realm and our own work. Exactly. Um, yeah, I still have to be very careful in this work that I do, right? Like I have to know when to pull back. I have to know, you know, what kind of conversations I'm okay for during different times. Yeah. And um, I do think I honestly I struggle with being in the profession. I'll be honest, like I, 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 I struggle a lot because um, some of it for me feels a little sensationalized. Right. A mm. lot of uh, some of it. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of work that our community that black people are doing to remove the stigma and to make it exciting and to make it you know, this happy turn up type of thing, right? Mental yeah, health, yeah, yeah. wellness. And, and it's just like, yeah, I definitely want that energy behind it. And I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to it because of my own personal journey, right? And so yeah. I'm not saying right or wrong. 
but it's very serious to me and it's very sacred and it's very much an approach that I have that's just like yeah I get that you all are having fun in this kind of like area um even professional people who have clients and people who you know are are doing certain like conventions and things like that it's just like Mm -hmm. I get it I understand um but when it comes to like when people really are dealing with their stuff in the room that's when you can call me because that's when it becomes quiet and sacred and private confidential, right? I love that. I love that. So yeah, that's That's what I mean. Like the safe space. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And I think that that's amazing that you do that. And you know, it's funny, like I, now that I hear the words come out of your mouth, I can, as soon as you say sensationalized, I thought about several folks and just posts that I've seen, which are great from a standpoint of being informative. Right. Um, You know, and, Maybe it opens the doorway for conversation with people and all that. That's cool. But um, I never really thought about it like that from the standpoint of like being sensationalized, like it is still social media, right? And so a lot of folks, whether it is to gain clientele, to gain to gain some form of clout or notoriety, or just to kind of stay with the wave of what's like popular right now. Cause I think to a degree, you you definitely have a lot of folks that look at mental health as like the end thing, right? Like this is the thing to talk about. And so like, let me put my own twist and spin on it. And you have a lot of caricatures that have come from that from people. So when you say a sensationalized, I'm like, dang, she's actually got a great point there. Like, and, but it's crazy because of the fact that on one hand, devil's advocate needed, it's needed from the standpoint right. of we are spreading the message and getting it out there and bringing people in. But on the other side, like where is the boundary in the balance that says, while this part is cool, after you open Pandora's box, you need to be able to navigate it and and provide what's needed. Right. Yep, That's exactly it. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I just think it's not, it's a lane, right? It's a lane. And I, I totally respect and appreciate the lane. I just yeah, had yeah, yeah. out after a while, you know, after doing this for a while that that just wasn't my, because I was very frustrated, right? I thought there was no space for me because yeah. of that. then I realized, oh no, there is, it's just not that, right? So that takes some work. And I think that that's great. Like you said, it is a lane, right? So no shade to anybody that does it. But I think too, and this kind of actually, we had a little bit of this conversation on Monday around this notion that I do believe that in the grand scheme, when we talk about being able to help people in the long run and getting them the help and the healing and the transformation that they need, a lot of it will come from different voices, right? But I think as these different voices combine, it's kind of like setting the Avengers up. Like everybody plays a specific role, but in our roles, let's make sure that everything that we're doing role-wise comes with balance that is leading people, you know, back from the cliff and not closer to it. Yes, yes. You can, I've had my own experiences and I've heard other people's experiences where a professional, a mental health professional caused more harm right? Because mm-hmm. they open the door, yeah. like you said, Pandora's box, right? Like they open the door, they open the wound that they were not able to help someone through or, you know, stick with them and support them as they, as they process through it and work through it, which can take a long time sometimes, right? It could, it, it could take years. 100%. So we just have to be very careful as professionals that we understand what our commitment is, um, yeah. what work actually is. And, you know, 
while there are parts of it that is very rewarding and, and feels very much like the Avengers, right? Like we are a team and we're in here and we're helping the world feel better and get better. And as well right. as yeah, I definitely feel that, but I also want people to understand. I try to, I'm, I'm trying to be very careful about the language, right? I've had some feedback from people and you can tell me how, what you think, but people don't like the, when I say it's hard work, right? Or when I say, you know, it, it can take a long time or it can get very heavy mm -hmm. or this is not fun or this is, you know, I use a lot of this language to kind of give people a realistic expectation, but I always end it with it's worth it. It's one of the yeah. hardest things you'll ever have to do, but it is so worth it. And usually the things that are really worth it are, are difficult, right? Like they're hard. They're they are. They're yeah. complex. So I use that 100%. language and a lot of people think it's a turnoff for people to like seek help. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it, you know, which is crazy too, because I know that like our generation, the generation coming up after us, like we have been to, uh, I think, uh, if, I would say to an obscene amount, we've been identified as like the microwave generation. But the funny part is that I don't think it's just like, I don't think it's millennials. I don't think it's just Gen, Gen Y and Z coming up. I think it's like literally everybody, like we all carry some component of wanting results like instantaneously wanting things to change like now and the reality is is that I think anything worth having is not going to happen like that right quality is not going to happen overnight I mean and it can to a degree from a standpoint of like maybe it sustains you for the moment right but in the long run it doesn't and so um, I love that you say that because this is the truth like um, you know, the inner working, like being able to like go back and look at, uh, no pun intended, but let's take the title of your book, Unravel, right? Like typically when you talk about unraveling, the reality is, is that you're going to be pulling up old ground for a while, right? And I think too, maybe, maybe when people hear a while, like their perspective or, you know, perception of a while is like, they think like forever. And it's like, that's not the case. It's just not going to be something that next week, boom, everything's hunky-dory. Right. You know? Right. And even when you get to the hunky-dory, right, it's a sustainability thing, right? You 100%. have to sustain it. You have to keep doing the work. It gets easier. It gets better. It's well worth it. But you have to continue the work. You have to maintain it. Yeah. Habits. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Habits. So since we kind of touched on it, can you do me a favor? Um, tell us about the book Unravel. Um, what uh just tell us about the book i'll ask questions later <laughs> um so unravel is a memoir um it it chronicles my life from before birth <laughs> mm. all the way to um pretty much around the time where i would say i was on the other side of my mental illness in the darkest years of my life right yeah. um and really what it's about is breaking the cycle family trauma. And the reason why I say it chronicles before my birth is because I did a lot of work to interview my parents to find out what mm. their trauma was, because I truly believe um, that, you know, trauma is generational, right? Like these are cycles and, you know, my work that I've done, it's been proven over and over and over again, right? Like I've not yeah, yet yeah. seen that's not the case. <laughs> and so while my story is pretty extreme in terms of trauma and what my parents who are both immigrants from other countries and really just went through the, the most traumatic experiences you can think of to get to America. Um, and it's kind of put me and my sister in a position of just a lot of neglect and a lot of abuse. Um, they're phenomenal stories, right? And they, it helped me make sense 
of my mental illness and the way I was wired, early childhood development stuff, and um, working through my darkest years. And the whole reason why I even did that was so that I could be a better mother. And so it's all about figuring out where I came from, getting to a place of actually loving where I came from so that I can somehow avoid passing on those traumas to my child. Wow. I love that. I love that. That is incredible. Um, just a, a futurist, right? Like being able to think for like when you're gone, which a lot of people don't always do. Um, you know, of course, like I think a lot of parents have the the idea of like, I want to be able to create a better life for my child. But typically that comes through like, what am I leaving them externally? What am I leaving them when it comes to um, the house, right? You know, hopefully not a GoFundMe, but but prayerfully some life insurance. Like, but yeah. to say, what am I leaving my children with when it comes to um, just the internal pieces, right? Whether I'm here or not, you know, like the, the mental and the emotional, right? Like generational healing, like that is generational healing with what you've created. And I think that's amazing. That is amazing. And so if you don't mind me asking, what have you learned since releasing the book? Like what have like just gotten from people, maybe even some, some revelation that you've received yourself? Yeah, I got chills when you asked that. No one's ever really? asked <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's been a whirlwind. It really has. Um, it was very difficult early on because it, it was just, it was very exciting and people were excited about it and people mm -hmm. wanted to hear the story and they, you know, I didn't realize, I'm sure that you understand this as an author, that once you put something in print, people feel like they have a right to it, right? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> they start grabbing at it and, and yep. I mean, they'll do what they do with it. And I found myself pretty triggered in the very beginning, right? So I had to pull back for a while, I actually really pulled wow. back a lot and kind of, um, almost resented the book for a little bit. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm done. Mm. I healed from all of this. I don't want to revisit it. I'm not talking about it for, and again, this is where I was feeling, um, really resentful around the sensationalizing, right? Because people, it seemed to me that people were focusing more on the trauma that was in the book mm -hmm. than the story itself of, you know, like the reason why I'm sharing the trauma is so that people can get a better understanding of why how we respond to trauma, right? Like this is textbook, how you respond to yeah, trauma yeah, is yeah. in the book. And so that was why I wrote it. But then for people to just be like, I can't believe you survived that. And how did that happen? And this happened and oh, your parents are terrible people. I mean, people hate my parents. <laughs> and wow, I'm like, wow, I love wow. my parents. <laughs> Don't talk about my mom. I love my mom. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that was really complex and really difficult. But one of the things that really, really drove home for me and pushed me was my purpose, right? My call. Mm, and yeah. it really is about not just dealing with family trauma for the person who experienced it, but the family unit and working in our community, specifically Black people, to heal in a way that speaks to, and again, it's not a popular opinion, but um, caring for the traumatized parent, right, of the person mm -hmm. who ever been traumatized, right? That really has been something that I've learned people are not comfortable with, people don't want to talk about, but it, Absolutely. it is really something I feel like I've been called to do because it's, it's, I want to do it every day and I'm very passionate about it. I'm very comfortable with it. And it's almost as if I'm arguing my book to people, right? Like, it's almost like I can give a, a dissertation because mm -hmm. I'm really trying to explain to you why this is important and why it's working. Yeah. 
no, I love that. I love that. And I love too, that you are really focusing heavily on um, not staying in the space of trauma, which I think that for a lot of us, like even me, you know, um, one of the things that ended up taking place for me um, when I first started sharing my story was that I was under the guise for a long time that, you know, people want to hear the struggle. Like people want to hear about like, and granted too, this is actually one of the reasons why I detest heavily being called a motivational speaker, because I do, I see this a lot within the field um, of people who are speakers, typically on the motivational side. Um, a lot of it comes from, I was eating out the trash can. I got it out the mud. I'm da 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 and look at me now, but it's kind of like, okay, sometimes we have it to where our traumas and the stories of our traumas can lead us to a palace, so to speak. But in that, there actually hasn't been practice around um, coming out of said traumas. We just know how to share the detriment very well. We know how to share the destruction very well. We know how to share that side of the experience. And this was actually an unraveling for me. We're just going to go ahead. I think I'm going to title the entire episode today, <laughs> Unravel, right? But that being said, for the first maybe four to five years of my career, up until like 2016, I was a victim of that to where all I shared was the trauma. Like I dealt with this. I dealt with that. I had to boom, 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 boom. And literally when I dropped the book, um, The Other Side in 2019, that was the purpose of it. Like I had this epiphany, like coming out of 2018, where it was like, for me, I'm like, man, you have literally only talked about one portion of this. And it's been great to like share that part because it's helped a lot of people recognize their own. But I'm like, Richard, you are dropping the ball when it comes to showing people the life that you're living now, because it's completely opposite of what you're sharing. Mm. And so like, even just you saying that I think is so powerful because here's the reality. It's not, when we talk about mental health, when we talk about our wellness overall, this is not a sensationalized moment. This is not the it thing. It's always been here. It always will be here. And with that being said, we've got to start moving the needle when it comes to how do we help people get out of this place Mm-hmm. and get over to the quote-unquote promised land. Yep, absolutely. The application, no which is something that you said earlier, right? Like the application. I've Just in my studies and in school, it's been so frustrating just being yeah. a part of research projects. It's like, y'all want to get all this information, but ain't nobody talking about how we're going to use it. <laughs> nope, nope, not at all. Talk on it, seriously. Yep, that has been a big thing, like a pet peeve for me. And I don't, and, and especially, so I do a lot of community work too, where I, I, I work with young people and I'm in front of mm-hmm. young people and I'm talking and teaching about mental health and wellness, right? And so I rarely ever really tell them my story because I want them to understand the educational piece of it. But then if Absolutely. I do include my story, the whole point of it is, again, not giving details, but just to let them know, like, it is possible if you if you apply the work, right? I'm an example of it. There are other examples yeah. of it. But there should be a goal, right? There, there should be mm-hmm. something that people want besides having a story. Granted, I love when people have a story. I think every person, one of the things that um, a lot of 
my clients that I work with, one of my approaches is narrative therapy. And I do believe everyone mm. is the character of their story, right? Everyone has a story. Um, and you are the the author of that, right? Like you, Absolutely. Can, you can really narrate your story how you want it to be based on how you view it from the past going forward and um, creating a new narrative, right? And so I just want people to kind of understand that it needs to go somewhere, right? Like it's not yeah. about, it really is about evolving and moving forward. Like you're saying, like moving the needle. And and I can just, I my vision and my goal and my dream is to see that on a broader scale, not just for the individual, but for our community, right? Like I live in Philly. Philly is my heart. Like I love my city mm-hmm. with everything in me. And I just, I truly believe growing, you know, being born and raised in Philly and one of the toughest parts of Philly, like I have so much hope for my city. And I, I honestly believe yeah. like you really can't push that if you don't truly believe that it can happen. Yeah. Otherwise it's just busy work. I really believe that our, our community can change and that needle can can start to move. Absolutely. I love that. I love I love all of that. I mean, I feel the same way about Chicago, like just born and raised there. Yeah. But even being in Seattle for the last five years now, too, um, you know, when you have a heart for something, I think it really shows through the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Right. You got a lot of people that are just doing jobs. Right. You got a lot of people who are just taking up space. But, you know, impact is something completely different. And I love what you said, too. And I'm going to leave that right here um, before we move forward. But one of the things I always talk about is how we as people are so knowledgeable. We've got a, a, a host of wisdom and information. Um, but where we suck and drop the ball at is application. Right. And so I think if anybody can take anything from this segment, let it be that, you know, what we know, we now have to make a commitment to apply to our lives. Right. And so that being said, let's go ahead and move forward um, real quick, a little more about you before we get into some real practical stuff for our listeners. Um, what does life look like for you now? Like after being able to do this work and you do it for others, right? But obviously application, once again, even though we just said we was going to leave it, um, <laughs> you, you carry, you know, as a woman, as a black woman, as a mother, as a powerhouse, you carry all of that but then you still have to be able to come back and, and, and make sure that Felicia is taken care of. What does that look like for you? And what, how, how is that, how is that kind of painted the picture of life for you currently? Um, it is a sense of radical self-care. And I only say radical mm. term that myself and a lot of women around me, like women specifically because it balances out we'll say, I'm going to, I'm going to say no, and I'm not going to think about the people. And I'm just going to think about myself and I'm going to put myself first. And if you get radical about that, it balances out because our, our natural, I mean, just the way we are, we're nurturing people. We're going to take care of other people. Yeah. I'm always yeah. going to put my daughter first. I'm always going to show up for my family. I'm always going to take care of the people around me. But if I'm radical about the self-care, it balances out. And I actually do put time into my own care. I take the time yes. And I've also been able to not necessarily say no, but to say I'm busy, right? So I, 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 I am an entrepreneur, right? So my schedule is my own, but there's a lot of things to put in there. There's a lot of people that I have to show up for. And so if mm-hmm. I say I'm booked in the morning for a certain amount of time, and I say it's because like, you know, I, I'm busy or I have, I have something, it really sometimes is me meditating and getting a massage and journaling and, or, you know, taking myself mm-hmm. to breakfast or something because in order to show up as my best self, I have to do those things, right? I have to take care yeah. of myself. 
Because when I get in a room in front of people, specifically young people, right? Like I'm very adamant about the way we show up in front of young people. I have to be at my best. And I know what that takes. Yeah. And it's been years of practice, but I've become very unapologetic about what I need to feel good and to be at my best. hundred <laughs> percent. And it shows, like, I wish y'all could see Felicia right now. Her skin is glowing. I'm not going to disclose her age, but I look like I'm older than her. I'm going to just say that, okay? Um, not to mention, you right now, because y'all can't see this on the podcast listening, but you have the most even edges I have ever seen. And the ends are out here. Like, look, if y'all can see the hair right now, like you could, you look at this woman and be like, she's definitely a believer in radical self-care. And I love it. I love it. There's definitely some things you got to avoid to keep your edges, right? Like, you hey. edges, like no drama. You can't have no drama if you want to keep your edges. Listen, I already, I got two ring lights on me. I already know. Okay. But no, I love it. And I'm, I'm so glad you, you mentioned that too. I have a, a bunch of friends that listen in that are mothers, right? And they are, they are, you know, mothers in their 20s and 30s and they have younger children, right? You are a mom with a full-blown adult daughter yeah. and you have seen so much during that time. One of the things that I see from those friends who post about children is they're always asking for advice. Like, how do you balance it all, right? A lot of them are entrepreneurs now as well and they're trying to figure it out. Some are married, some aren't. But in this, I've seen this common theme that comes up when it comes to, hey, mom, any advice on how to deal with a child in the toddler space or preteen space or teen space? If you could give any advice to, to mothers listening um, that are doing literally everything that you have been able to accomplish while practicing this radical self-care and becoming unapologetic in it, what would it be? Um, I had to learn to really, I, I, there was a period of time, things didn't change for me until I put some focus in building a village. Um, that village is the only thing that got me to where I was able to start being unapologetic about what I need, right? No one that. can do it by themselves. It's the reason why I promote family health so much, right? It's because that is the thing that is going to get all of us to where we need to be. If we can just face this, the pains that we have within our families, the communication issues, the, the things that are holding us up from really showing up for each other, yeah. we can have the support for each other. And I just, you know, won't be going one way um, if we can learn to do that. Interpersonal relationships is the absolute most important thing, I think, especially for mothers, um, to get you to, wait, to, to where you you need to go or what you need, right? And it takes work. There has to be a period of time where that is the focus before you can even get into the business, before you can get into, um, I don't know, something else that you would wanna do for yourself, right? Where's your village? And it is, it's nerve wracking because a lot of times the, the language we use is that I don't have, right? I don't have. Mm. And when you, when you read my book, you'll see that I literally was just me and my daughter for a very, you know, for a period of time because I believed, and this is something I really highlight in my book, that I didn't have anyone. I truly believe that the very people I was avoiding and fighting with and angry with are the people who, once I made that decision, have supported me all the way up to this point, right? And it's because it. once I dealt with those interpersonal relationships from my own pain, once I dealt with my own pain, I was able to move past those barriers so that I can have my village. And then I became a part of their village, right? And so we're supporting mm -hmm. each other now. And I think that is 
I want that for everyone, especially mothers. Yeah. I just want you to have your village. You deserve it. You don't have to do everything alone. I know it feels that way. And sometimes I think I'm speaking from a privileged place until I read my book and I'm like, oh, wait, no, that wasn't privilege. That was work. <laughs> right, right. That was work. That was work. Yeah. <laughs> that was work. I love that. Yeah. I love that. No, that is phenomenal. I'm glad you shared that, like I said, because I think that even little nuggets like that can go such a long way um, in how we approach the space. All right, we are winding down, whether you know it or not. We've been moving for a minute, but I, I love it and I'm, I'm really happy about it. So let's do this. I got a few um, real rapid fire questions we're going to throw at you real quick. Um, and and I, I'm excited for it. So um, when it comes to um, downtime, leisure, what are you watching right now? Um, married at first sight. Married at first, okay. My guilty pleasure. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Is that the hopeless romantic in you? Because I, I, I feel like that's why I watch Hallmark, right? Like I'm just like, oh my god, I love it. Like bacon makes it. Like. Well, just... my daughter and I like to analyze a lot because <laughs> it takes us like sometimes it takes us like four hours to watch one episode because we pause yeah. and we talk about what's happening. And we go, because we, we'll bring our own relationships into it, right? Like her and I talk about I our own romantic relationships and we're like, oh, this means that I see, oh, I have a theory, right? And we do that. It's like a whole thing. It's a whole activity. Yo, y'all <laughs> need to do something with that, right? Like that's dope. That is so dope, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the the breakdown after the show. I love yeah. it. Um, What are you uh listening to? Um, I've always been a Neil Soul type of girl. I'm listening mm -hmm. to her a lot. Um, bomb, bomb, yeah. fire, yeah. bops constantly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much any Neil Soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what is one thing that um, really speaks to you, like just like as life giving when you talk about your self care? You mentioned a host of things, but what is like, what is the one that is really like, either puts you in like that calming space where everything makes sense or just like gives you that invigorating feeling? Um, I'll be honest, it took a while to get to this place, but the thing that works for me the most right now is this, it, it almost feels like I'm tricking myself, but in meditation, it feels real. When I tell myself, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. Mm. It gives me a sense of safety and groundedness. And I truly believe it in the moment. Of course, I get up and run around like a crazy person because I got things. <laughs> but it, it's like I, I'm tricking my brain to relax and just give myself space. And I'm just like, Amazing. you actually don't, you could just sit here until you wither away if you wanted to, right? Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. I love that. I love that. Um, are there any, or is there a book? Um, that you're currently reading? Oh, honestly, so I'm reading quite a few right now, but the thing that's drawing wow. me in over and over and over is this book called The Universal Christ. Okay. His name is Richard, his name is, I can't remember his last name. I don't want to say the wrong one, but it's called The Universal <laughs> Christ. Um, and I grew up in the Black church, right? Pentecostal uh -huh. Holiness Church. There's a lot about that in my book too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> lots Richard of trauma Rome, there. Rome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Um, and it's helping me come back to my faith in the non-religious way, right? And so that. That, that is important to me. It's something I'm really working on um, because my faith is important to me, but there's so much, again, yeah. trauma, resentment there. So I'm just trying to bridge it and do what's, what feels good for me. 
I already know who I'm bringing back on the podcast during Mental Health Awareness Month when I dive into the conversation around faith and mental health. So that means <laughs> <laughs> I already know. Um, no, because that, that, that's, that's such a real thing. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Like that was one of the um, that was one of the the chapters in the 31 Days of Power book um, that I really wanted to. Because same experience, right? Grew up in the Apostolic Pentecostal faith, and um, you know, uh, very. Uh, very charismatic, um, but also, you know, to your point of like just being very religious, right? So a lot of quotes, a lot of like catchy phrases and sayings, and but also to a host of, of judgment and lack of understanding that came with it definitely when the conversation of mental health came up. So uh, <laughs> I love that. So I know, I know who to call um, as we wind down here. Um, to date, what would you say is your biggest or greatest accomplishment? motherhood yeah like, I, honestly, I can't I, I just it's the most amazing thing to be in the I mean getting emotional which I, I don't normally do <laughs> something about know. this interview um something about being a mother of an adult child and knowing everything we've been we, we honestly grew up together I really feel like I, mm -hmm. I obviously did a lot of mothering but we grew yeah, up I look together like twins too right <laughs> <laughs> her really young but it is the light of my life and honestly if I never yeah. did anything else I would be 100% I would feel like I just fulfilled so much I love that yeah I could tell like even just seeing you all's pictures together like I said they speak mm -hmm. you know and I know a lot of people get on and they cap in pictures you know what I mean like they make it seem like they're happy <laughs> and life is with like I, I can definitely sense and feel that like genuine like that authenticity there with you all yeah. and that's amazing moving forward maybe it's not 2022 but in the future what is one major goal that you want to accomplish to me oprah I'm gonna okay. be honest. <laughs> i love it no that's that's it like yo we, we gonna make that happen interviewed by oprah i don't give us five minutes <laughs> just ask me a question over like i feel like me and her like we can have this conversation like we get it like yeah. Things. But yeah, that is, that is, you know, they say, speak it, put it out in the universe. That is what I'm putting out there. <laughs> well, look, we're going to go ahead. I'm going to see, I'm going to see if Stedman's number is still the same. And, uh, there we'll, you, you know, hook me up. <laughs> I met him. I met Stedman in 2013. It was a really interesting experience. We'll talk about it, it later. But, um, I'm one step I did. <laughs> we spoke at, we spoke at the same conference and, um, yeah, wow. it was a big flex moment for him. Uh, but it was, it wasn't intentional. I was just like, oh, wow. Meeting Stedman let me know that there was a level of wealth that one day I I look forward to experiencing. I'll just put it up. I'll put it like that. In the process of him giving me a business card, I saw so many $100 bills and I was just like, wow, okay. This wow. is just pretty cash. Cool, got you. <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> wow. But yeah, um, that, that being said, thank you so much. I definitely look forward to having you back on the podcast. Um, thank you for sharing today. If you all haven't already, please make sure that you go and check out um, this amazing book, Unravel. Um, Felicia, if you can, can you let us know all of your social media handles, where people can find you, your website, everything, real quick. Yes. So um, the Roche Post is all of my social media handles that's instagram facebook and twitter um mm -hmm. my uh website is feliciaproche.com um and unravel is available on amazon barnes and nobles um 
always shout out Uncle Bobby's, any Black-owned stores, bookstores. I'm always shouting them out yeah. there. Um, yeah, and just support um, Black-owned bookstores. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much once again. Um, you are a phenomenal woman, a phenomenal person. And not only is the world better because of you, um, I think that just moving forward, life in general, like we are better um, as the people who get a chance to like truly know you. As I stated at the top of this episode, y'all, to know Felicia is to love her and um, you provide so much. So please continue to do that. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you also too for creating safe spaces for people to not stick on the side of the trauma, but to really get down to the nitty gritty on healing, finding freedom, and being able to overcome. That is our episode for today. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Felicia P. Roche, thank you so much. As always, fam, you are not losing in life. You are not failing. You are simply between the dream. Talk to you all next week.